it's time for a bonus, a bonus episode. I love episodes of theater, 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 theater. We're going off the beaten path, off the beaten path. We're off. I have another question for you guys. Yeah. Yes. If you could only watch for the rest of your life only one movie franchise oh, not including disney owned meaning no marvel uh, no star wars okay. what is your desert island movie franchise lord of the rings okay yeah that's what it would have to be for me too okay pam Oh, this is so controversial because. <laughs> well, they chose mo- they chose franchises that only have three movies. Well, I guess six if you count the Hobbits, which aren't I, good. But well, I like the sure. Hobbit movies. I guess I would okay. say Lethal Weapon. Okay. Okay. That's all legit. four of them. Oh yes, all four because I am a true <laughs> fan, sir. Mm-hmm. Solid franchise. Solid franchise. Fair enough. What about, what about you, you, Bailey? Matrix was my first thought, and then I like. Oh, that's a good one took a second and i was like wait (laughs) i need more than four movies because if this is desert island i need as many movies as possible so (laughs) what are movies that i can watch that are gonna really get me going all the time and each one is a totally different film and that's very exciting to me james bond fast and the furious Uh, (laughs) are they Uh, all different (laughs) they're all very different all very different films tokyo drift is basically karate kid with cars yeah this is whole. Hey Bailey, I've never, kid with cars. I've never seen one Fast and the Furious movie. That's okay. Either. Most people haven't, and I think it's because they assume that it is all following the trend of the first film, which is sort of this um, weird uh, street racing, street racing kind of uh, retelling of Point Break, uh, just <laughs> yeah. as homoerotic, maybe more. Um, but the but the. the Okay, I'm not going to get into a fast <laughs> breakdown right now because I will literally tell first. you why each one is so such a perfect. But it, it's a, but it, that's a fair franchise. I'll give you that. Um, Thanks. My, my number two probably would have been Harry Potter. I guess. Yes. I was no. going to yeah, say Potter. I was going to say Harry Potter is my number two, but I felt it was controversial. It is. It's a hard one. It's a hard one to separate uh, art from. I just rewatched the Fantastic Beasts movies. Yeah boring oh, all right go ahead scott. i liked him you go ahead with that scott what are you... <laughs> uh you enjoy that uh scott what, uh, you had something you had mentioned before we started recording that yeah to... because we're in the zeitgeist this podcast what? yes we are dialed in we are plugged in and let me tell you why okay so i'm watching the pam and tommy lee series on hulu mm-hmm. um and I've, I'm only two episodes in. It's it's fine. It's interesting. I'm I'm in tr- into it. But the end of episode two is Pam and Tommy having just gotten married, not knowing each other at all, other than banging each other. And they're in bed together, and they're flipping, and they're watching TV. And King and I comes on, and she's like, "This is one of my favorite movies," and it's right as getting to know you starts. Uh, in the movie and so she starts singing it he's like what the fuck and then she gets him to sing it and it's this sort of charming little moment between them that you it's kind of surprising and cool but we had just talked about the king and i in part three of our r and h series so So we we are dialed in the catalyst got it we're in it yes we created it yeah, um, I think yeah. that's probably legit. CJ and Pam look really intrigued by your story, by the way. They're just like, all's well. I'm just that's trying fine. to There's also it. a talking penis in it. If, if oh. you guys haven't heard well, about that. Well, I definitely wasn't going to watch it before, but now. I'm and Tommy really had like, it. he had a hog. Like, I guess he still does. He's not dead, but he got a large, large penis. I thought you meant a pig. I thought they had a farm, and I thought... (laughs) You know who else had a big hog? Jim Jones. Jim Jim Jones. Jones. (laughs) Jesus. Huge hog. 
did not like, like any how shit she, on I was like, wow. how is she gonna segue this? Into yeah, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say King George. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> um, speaking of King George, welcome. <laughs> To Theater Theater, the theater podcast for theater nerds made by three theater makers from the L.A. theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Burcham. I'm C.J. Merriman. And I'm Scott Leggett. That's right. And we're back with another bonus miniseries, because after every five playwrights, we take a break and we watch some movies. This is part four of turning plays into movies. No, part two. Uh, and as always. It's part two. Well, it's part four. It's part four. Go back, okay. check the records, check the okay. receipts. Part right. one Go back to season is, one, y'all. Season one. Part two is also season one. Yeah, so I got you. So part three is, is now, this is part four. I got okay? you. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be controversial. It's getting a little heated <laughs> in here, guys. Getting heated. Uh, <laughs> um, but as always, for these these bonus miniseries, we are joined by our dearest uh, friend, beautiful soul, and original song writer, Pam Quinn, everyone. Hey, Pam. Hi, Pam. Hi, everybody. I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited to talk about these two movies in particular. In particular. Yeah, we have. Uh, this is this is fun. We're we, we had announced before that we were going to be covering Sleuth, but it didn't work out. We couldn't find the original streaming anywhere. You can't even rent it. You can't even you find. Can't you even can't even find it, it anywhere. No, no, no. My it's dad's so got weird. it on Laserdisc. Okay. <laughs> Okay, sure. <laughs> My dad's got it on Laserdisc. The only Not thing I have on... Dad. You what? Not to date your dad. Right. Uh, the only thing I have on Laserdisc is the Twin Peaks Golden Edition. Oh, sure. Yeah, I know All what right. you're talking about. Yeah. Season one and two. Do you have a Laserdisc Can't player? Can't watch it. No. No. You can Just find them it. fairly inexpensive. And there's like a... I do have a VCR. Sitting right next to me, though, that I just obtained from a, v- a VHS. Yeah, VHS, VHS player, VCR. Uh, anyway, this week we're covering two movies. One that I had never heard of before until I watched it, uh, "The Madness of King George," which was Scott's pick, and then we're going to be covering my pick, which was uh, a "Rabbit Hole." David Lindsay Bear's "Rabbit Hole" made into a film. We're going to talk about both of them. I'm very excited. Uh, also, I kept thinking and i probably said it on the podcast at one point that rabbit hole starred nicole kidman and daniel craig i'm wrong it's aaron eckhart <laughs> and i didn't realize it till i put it on and i was like oh shit <laughs> i think i might have said daniel craig and no one corrected me last time they're both maybe, dashing maybe it's a different version that we just haven't seen <laughs> they both kind of look the same and they've got that like jamie lannister vibe it's fine uh we love them both both all three of them all four of them uh <laughs> Help me out, guys. I, I'm, I'm falling apart. You're not. You're not strong at math. Nah, I'm sure not. Uh, or counting. No. Same, same categories. <laughs> this is episode 29. We're coming. <laughs> it's really not. Uh, it's like it's like 50 something, 60 something. Have We're we... in the 70s or 80s at this point. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, y'all, we've done yeah. all right. That's two we've years. Got, of I know we're definitely past 69. Oh, we didn't celebrate 69 episode well, 69. Showgirls, Showgirls is like 68, and I was kind of pissed because I was like, oh, we should have waited one more at the time. Let's get started. Let's get into this thing because I'm, I'm excited to talk about them. But uh, let's start with your, your pick, Scott. I want to know what it's about, though. All right. Um, I chose The Madness of King George uh, yeah. based on the play The Madness of King George the uh, Third by Alan Bennett, famous British playwright. Um, and it was turned into a movie in 1994. The play came out in uh, early 90s, 1991. Um, but I had been a student and had had a flurry of professors who got to see it uh, on stage with Nigel Hawthorne um in london and in new york and they were just like this is the thing if you're like you get this performance is unreal and so when they announced the movie like that's when i finally went and actually read the play and then saw the movie and then we just sort of this movie just kind of gets forgotten um because of time and there's no huge stars in it there's helen mirren but she wasn't helen mirren quite yet at that point when she did this movie Nobody really knows who Nigel Hawthorne was. He died in the early 2000s. And I thought, yeah. this is an interesting thing. Let's let's check this out. And I yeah, love it. Yeah, the movie doesn't really exist. 
Uh, but it does now because we have seen it. Right, um, exactly. CJ, 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 I want to know what it's about because I don't know anything about it. Tell me. Let's do it. Break it down. CJ's Breakdown. Aging King George III of England is showing signs of madness and blue pee in 1788. As the <laughs> mad king who lost America alternates between bouts of confusion and near-violent outbursts of temper, his clueless doctors attempt the ineffectual cures of the day, i.e. blistering and strapping him to a chair. Meanwhile, sexy Queen Charlotte and Prime Minister Pitt attempt to prevent the king's political enemies, led by the Prince of Wales and the nurse from Shakespeare in Love, from usurping the throne. Uh -huh. So if this if this had happened today, we would know that that blue pea was Powerade, or it was just lots of Gatorade. That was like, yeah, it was exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Powerade in particular. Yeah, will get me. What was it called? Yeah. Porphyria or something? They they yeah. make uh, a comment about it at the end of the porphyria. porphyria. Yeah, which is a hereditary disease that doesn't uh, always show itself, and when it does, it's like really sporadic, and sometimes it's two days, and sometimes it's months, and it's crazy. It's really interesting. Yeah, and I guess there was a they went and did a lot of research because he they confirmed that he definitely had that. But they, he was also probably bipolar uh and suffered from mm -hmm. bouts of depression and all of that just sort of augmented it, each other, you know, each of the afflictions of uh, augmented each other. But yeah, it yeah, was so... it's an, it's a fascinating story and it's a real story too. Agreed. We should start by talking about Jonathan Groff's performance. Um, <laughs> well, well that, that's like, oh, it's like if I'm going to do a summer season, I'm going to do 1776, then I'll do Hamilton, then I'll do King George III. Yeah, perfect. Uh, <laughs> For God's sake, Scott, sit down. Thank you. Thank you. Nice poll. It, it won all kinds of awards. Uh, um, Nigel Hawthorne won the BAFTA award. He was nominated for an Oscar. Helen Mirren was nominated for an Oscar. Uh, I think he won both the Tony and the Olivier awards for the stage version of it. Jesus. And, and yeah, and then there's other like just sort of interesting like things like um, it was directed by uh, Nicholas Hitner, Heitner, Hitner, Heitner. I can never Heitner. get it. Heitner. Um, who's, uh, he runs the National Theater in London, and he was an opera director before becoming a theater director and uh, a musical director. He directed Carousel in right. the 90s and won Tonys and stuff for it. And uh, he, he directed, directed the Crucible, Miss, right? The Crucible, the yeah, film. Yeah, the 99. Yeah, and he, he basically, he got this because Alan Bennett insisted that that Hawthorne and, and, and Heitner get to do the film version right. and he had never directed film and so he's basically just went out and found the best possible people he could and yeah. surrounded himself with it which i think is why it's so gorgeous the production design is amazing well he and he does the other two alan bennett plays that have been made into movies as well he did the history boys and he yeah. did the lady in the van yeah Ooh. that's right yeah kind of amazing yeah, yeah another maggie smith performance worth checking out if you've never seen the lady in the van mm. phenomenal phenomenal yeah. film who doesn't love a movie with powdered wigs and corsets? Like, hey, the right? designers on this definitely. Yeah, the themselves. costumes were beautiful. Something I found out about wigs, though, that interested me while I was doing research for this was that the way that they actually came into fashion was there was that first one of the Louis, Louis the Fourteenth, or something, who would wear it, wear a wig to cover his baldness, and then it kind of came into fashion with his son and like it, the people started wearing it but then it became more of like a hygienic thing where they were like well it's actually easier to not have hair because of lice and things like that and so i'll just like ordain my hair with you know like ornamentals and and beautiful wigs and, and things like this so then it became like this really fashionable thing but it wasn't actually fashionable for that long before hmm they taxed wig powder and everyone stopped buying them uh, yeah fuck so it that. was like this yeah. I'll wear my so wigs, but I'm not going to be bothered like... with the powder. Yeah, yeah. Well, but if they're going to tax it, everybody's sort of like, well, okay, I guess I, you know, it's not, it's not fashionable for even like, you know, uh, lords anymore because they're just like, well, I don't want to pay that. So then, uh, it is now seen as this like, you know, they wear them in courts and and things like this as like a high status symbol. Mm -hmm. But it was only like a hundred years where they were doing that. Isn't that right. Crazy? Wow, that's nuts. Yeah. 
I well, and I don't know if y'all remember this. I remember when we got into restoration and at school, and we started talking about like what they wore and what the corsets were for, and blah blah blah, and how everyone was putting on the thick white makeup, and usually it was put on extra thick to cover up like lesions, right? Because everyone had gross diseases and never took baths. I will yeah. say there were quite a few uh, scenes where I was like, I can smell that room right now. Yeah, it. oh yeah, yeah, that parliament was stanky. The, <laughs> the movie's musty, <laughs> the movie's sweaty. Yeah, yeah. It's, the movie's uh, pretty gross. Yeah, just about, there's a lot of stuff about pee and, and bowel movements. And, yeah. You know. They talked about stools a lot. Yeah. yeah. That's what they did thing. back in the day. That's how you measured things. That's how you figured things out. If Listen, I, was a I don't want to yuck someone's yum, but it just grossed <laughs> me out. No, I, yeah. I was surprised they didn't show us more of it, though, if mm. that makes sense. Like, yeah, I we was... don't ever see any excrement. Right. And I was, well, besides when they pour out the two different colored peas and we all right. went, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, was a... Uh, but like besides that yeah it was you know it they're kind of just alluding to all the grossness of it we don't really get to see a lot of it we don't see a lot of i mean you know he pulls down his pants on the side of the road or in the random lady's chamber pot or whatever but we don't yeah it's interesting because in my head it was very visceral but then i thought back on it i was like well maybe maybe not but it you know it it, maybe it makes it more visceral that we're not seeing it right you know uh it's just one of those little what 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 what? um but yeah, uh, and just revisit. I hadn't um, revisited this in a very long prob- time, probably like five or six years, and and just the performances, like just, just are awesome. It's like this march of great British character actors that come through. You know, yeah. Jim Carter and and Ian Holm and uh, Amanda Donahoe, who, who people forget how cool she was and some of the stuff British Julianne did. Margulies. Uh, yeah, she kind of is, she right? Like <laughs> yeah. And Rupert Everett, who I and can Rupert. only hear George from my best friend's wedding. Right, exactly. Oh, that's all I hear. Uh, I was uh, just thinking of the guy from Dunstan Checks In. <laughs> <laughs> and I just kept thinking of Kit Marlowe from Shakespeare in Love. Yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah, no, yeah. he's had a really great career. And speaking of performances, I, I, I want to start, start here. I think this is really interesting. Does anyone fail? No, I don't. Was there anyone that you walked away being like, "Oh, they could have"? No, no, not really. It's. I think that that's. I think that that's the benefit of a theater director casting, and because not everybody from the play made it to the film, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but so that kind of casting, that ability to work with people and to let people do their work, you know, you have these great little moments with you know. Mr. Pitt and Mr. Fox, and you know, they they wink and nod at each other. And you know, maybe maybe those Americans have the right idea about monarchy, you know. And <laughs> I uh, I just dug all those little moments. I think they all they all like even the guy who holds the pig. You know, when the king comes up and he's talking to the pig, right? You know, like that dude's like face is amazing. Who is your MVP? Nigel. Yeah, me. I got to go with Nigel. Like that's it is a layered brilliant performance. Yeah, his so range is is just I mean, I really felt his discomfort and his distrust and his depression, anxiety and dementia. I felt the dementia. Right? And I think he what he did, <laughs> I felt the that's where I live. But you're right, Pam. I I agree. Like, and it's those little moments that are in the script that that he nails that make you like him, and want to root for him as he yeah. descends and does these horrible things, hitting people and attacking Very people. Likeable. And, and, Very uh, likable. And the the Mister and Mrs. King scene Aww. the first time they're in the bedroom together, and so you're just sweet. like, oh my god! And so all that separation and all that pain and anguish that she has to go through just pops so much that's the thing we really do love them as a couple their relationship just feels so legit even through it all when she's screaming bending over him like begging for you know to to understand him 
you you just are kind of in love with them and you just hope that she's going to be okay if he doesn't make it out on the other side. You right. know, you're just right. like, oh man, I hope she's all right. You know, if this like, doesn't work out. Yeah, I did it, read historically that as a couple, they were like, he didn't have any mistresses or anything. Right. Yeah, they, so they, they really they were actually de- into each other. Yeah, that's kind of the cool part. I mean, and then if I weird... was married to Helen Mirren. <laughs> I mean, come on. Just saying. <laughs> One thing I left the movie still confused about was whether Ian Holmes' character, the doctor, was a bad guy or a good guy. Like, I literally don't know. I kind of love that you say that. Yeah. Because Ian Holm might be my MVP if he was in more of the movie. Oh, did I pluralize him? I'm so sorry. I think I called him Ian Holmes. Oh, I don't know. I don't don't remember now. You're um, thinking of John Holmes because we were talking about... The penis right. stuff. That's right. Whatever. That's yeah. right. Bilbo Baggins. Let me. I'll, I'll call him Bilbo from now on. Bilbo. Um, Bilbo Baggins. Oh, from hell. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, what a weird pull, CJ. <laughs> Watching it the night I graduated. I liked from it when school. he played that guy that killed his women. Oh God. Oh God. I haven't seen that movie since like I was like thirteen. That's crazy. It came out um, in two thousand two. Interesting. Uh, He's also in a bunch of the Pinter movies. He's in the Homecoming. Yeah. Uh, he's he's God. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean he's yeah, he's just one of those dudes like I when he's I think been... of Ian Home, the first thing I think of is uh Brazil. Sure. Just cuz I think I, I, it was the right place and time and then like other brilliant stuff like him playing Napoleon in Time Bandits. Oh, that's him. Oh, yeah. and, and he's just sitting there and he's just obsessing about height so and height of other leaders. Alexander the Great, he was only five now, foot three. I totally forgot that was him. I'm embarrassed because I remember him more frequently from Garden State. Oh. He's great in Garden State, <laughs> though. I dig. He breaks I lo- your heart. He breaks I love, your heart. I, I dig that movie a lot. Like Some people hate on Zach Braff, but I'm like, I dug it. I got it. I, I think Bailey movie. might. <laughs> it's Bailey okay might. if you do. It's okay. I get it. That's all right. But I liked. I still. I loved that movie when I was twelve. I don't know that I will now if I rewatch it. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need to do a. It re-watch. hasn't aged well. I think. Right. Yeah. It feels very manic pixie dream girl and like very like a little. For sure. For sure. It's definitely masturbatory on Zach's part. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll rewatch it, but. I don't but Ian know. Holm. Ian Holm's great in it. That's yeah. It. Yeah, I do sometimes stand over gorges and I yell while wearing a trash bag. Yeah. 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 It makes you feel better, though. You feel good it does. when it's done, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah and then I go, I I go I back know. home and uh, smoke a bowl. Uh, okay, so uh, so MVPs. Or, oh, yeah, Ian Holm. So Ian Holm, is he bad or good? I think, unfortunately, there is he, – he, he sort of – becomes the symbol of the antagonist of this, but the antagonist is sort of the stupidity of humans in terms of <laughs> yeah. uh, medical. Yeah. yeah. Like, like the whole, the community at the whole time. I mean, they go not even into... humans, British, the Brits, the, the English. Yeah. I mean, they just didn't have the knowledge and they were going by what they had. And that was poop and pay and, well, we can strap this dude down and he's real quiet. I, <laughs> he's been... But you also got to kind of hand it to him at the same time where he's like, I don't give a shit if you're the king. I'm going to make eye contact with you and you're going to treat me like another human being. So no, there's all that, that stuff part of him that's kind really of... works. Yeah. I yeah. almost wish it was more of the movie. I don't know where you'd put it, but like I, part of me like really wants to watch a lot more of that, especially because the dynamics of when he actually starts doing what Ian Holm says. Oh, when he yeah. starts sort of being like, Okay, yeah, I will go sit down because you asked me to. Because he starts realizing maybe it's working a little bit, mm-hmm. or at yeah. least he's finding himself in in moments a little bit more. But he's the whole thing that through it, yeah, and the and the yeah. whole thing with him is that he keeps talking about George keeps talking about like it's, or he says it afterwards actually more so that he feels like he's in a dream and he's kind of just like making choices out of like dream logic, like he doesn't really know what's happening around him, which I think you could easily equate to things like dementia, right? But there was a moment where we were watching it and we all got like really quiet and like sad. Yeah. And morose and sort of like, oh, this is this is awful to watch this man go through, especially when we've sort of fallen in love with he and, and, and his wife at the beginning. And then he has that moment, one of the best moments of the whole movie, which actually ends up being sort of the thematic statement of it all, is this woman runs up to him and tries to stab him. Yeah. 
but it's a butter knife or something yeah. and it hits his his metal, metal like plate, yeah kind yeah. of yeah, his mm-hmm. his little like shield and or brooch whatever it is and he could easily just get angry and like be like off with her head but instead he's like no she's obviously mentally unwell she needs some help let's let's get her that help and he like smiles at her and is like all's well mm-hmm. yeah yeah. He didn't do anything. Yeah. yeah. All's well. And that ends up being sort of, oh, God, I love, I, 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 I well, liked this movie more than he, I thought, Scott. Thank you. It oh, tells no. us who he is right from the beginning, what kind of character he has, and that we should be rooting for him through this right. ordeal. Right. And, uh, yeah, I totally agree. I, and going back to that Ian Holm thing, that moment where he they do the stare down. Mm-hmm. watching those two like and he gets them both in the shot too their eyes don't unlock from each other they are both in it and they are both trying to win that moment and it, it, it's just it, i think that's part of the pleasure of watching those trained actors those great theater actors do films like this is those individual moments and they're all clean as a whistle they're they they know exactly what they're doing and they're ultimately all serving the script they're ultimately all serving the story um yep. but some amazing actors can i call one out real quick oh go sure. ahead siege you were about to say no something. you you finish and then i've got something new to talk about yeah totally uh, john wood who's lord chancellor lord turlow he's the one that reads lear with him in the in the yard oh. at oh, the yeah. end and he's just one of these dudes well that dude was in the original rosencrantz and gildenstern are dead he was nominated for a Tony for that. Wow. He was in the original Travesties, like wow. won the Tony for that. Has this insane career doing Stoppard and, and sort of more edgy theater folks through the 70s and 80s. I first saw him when I was a child and he was in War Games with Matthew Broderick. And he played sure. the he plays the wacky not the wacky he plays the scientist who creates the artificial intelligence yeah it's creating everything but just oh, one of those shit. guys that just had this amazing career and I just wanted to shout him out because I just plus that scene is so marvelous anyway and then the follow up when he's talking about how damn tragic it was and right. he could have made it happy <laughs> they could have made it happy I uh, dug it uh, uh yeah. I ultimately, the ending of this movie bummed me the fuck out. And it's because, and I don't, I don't, I, it almost needed another afterward to me. Because for what we know now that it's quite possible that he could have been bipolar. It's not like that happening and everything that he went through cured him. And in fact, it was like 20 years later, his son did get King Regent. Like he lived for another 32 years and finally was seen as unfit to rule. So Who? I just- George? George III. Um, and it was- No, he later. only served, he only lived for another like decade. And then George Oh, I the saw fourth. that he, I thought, I saw that he lived for a while. I he just- He did, but he was okay. Like when he handed off the thing, George the fourth was the one who kind of fucked it up. Maybe I looked at the wrong George in Wikipedia. Why why did it bum you out? It just bummed me out because it was like, if he really was having, if he really was experienced bipolar or dementia, it's not like that whole thing cured him. And at the end it was like, Hey, he's all better. Everything's happy now. And I don't know. I just, I, I, it just, it just bummed me out because I'm like, it didn't end happy though. He was sick. Well, yeah, now we know. Get the help that, that he needed. Didn't. Yeah, it just, sure. that's, I, yeah, I know it's 2022 knowledge of things, but it just, it still bummed me out, that's yeah. all. I think it can. I think that's good, though. I think what it's trying to say about medicine and doctors that don't listen to their patients and, and the, and even a 2022 state of medicine is still fucked. Western medicine is batshit bonkers wrong on so many levels. And we still, do all of it and like we still let them open up our bodies and do crazy shit so it's like it's about that and it's about the fact that like it's really frustrating to watch somebody go through a legitimate horrifying disease or or ailment or whatever it may be and and not actually be able to get the help and then it's even more frustrating to watch someone try to help them possibly in the wrong way and then they get better all by themselves but then everyone attributes it to the to yeah, the to the wacky bad guy. Thing. Yeah, yeah which yeah. which is why lobotomies were yeah. were considered okay because it was like well this person was fine 
let's try it again you know and then anyway um no, no and then also just the 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 com the, the commentary on the fragility of a monarchy the fragility the, the the country hung in the balance while this was all going on and you know that the king is just a man and just a human being and the queen is just a human being this had uh some oscar noms yep just a few uh it gets best adapted screenplay nom it does not win it i don't think it wins any i don't think it won any of them in fact it is uh it's not up for best picture now this is when they're still doing five movies for best picture so i think it might have made it if they had done the 10 yeah but can you tell me 1995 without looking it up what is the best picture winner of this year is it forrest gump or it was forrest gump it's forrest gump forrest gump beating out pulp fiction beating out pulp fiction four weddings and a funeral quiz show great film uh, yeah. And the Shawshank Redemption. Oh, that was tough. That was that one's that's always a on tough TBS. year. That's a, that's tough, a tough year. year. That's if a tough Forrest year. Gump was made now, uh, Tom Hanks would be in jail. But yeah. people loved that movie, and I do too. I love that movie. I st- I, I haven't watched it in years, but uh, <laughs> it doesn't hold up great. But it's fun to watch. Um, Robert Zemeckis wins Best, Best Director, Director that year against Tarantino, Robert Redford for Quiz Show. And bullets over Broadway, Woody Allen. Oh. Yeah. And I can never say this name right. Krzysztof Kislowski for Three Colors Red. Oh yeah, that was cool. that, yeah the red, white, uh, and blue series. I've only watched the first one, which I believe is blue, and then I was like, okay, I'll watch white, and I never did. So yeah, it's it's heavy, it's heavy stuff. Jessica Lang wins that year for Blue Sky. Tom Hanks wins that year. Uh, things like this. Good year. Diane Weist mm-hmm. wins for Bullets Over Broadway. Yeah. Who we're going to talk year about. For wine. Good year for wine. <laughs> Good year uh, for there's, wine. There's, uh, there's going to be some talk later about Diane Weist. Weist? Voisten? Weisten. Um, Helen Mirren did get a nom for Madness. Mm. She's great. Great accent work, too. Yes. Yeah, yeah, really good. Uh, Alan Bennett gets the nom. I'm looking for another. I feel like there's another one. There isn't. Uh, uh, Production design, I think. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right, yeah. Uh, Costumes. Well Uh, deserved. Do you think Amadeus or King George does it better? Wigs and costumes. Uh, I'll I'll give it to um, Amadeus. Amadeus. Yeah. I think Amadeus, it looks nicer, but I felt like with King George, with George, whatever, they were going for like maybe a little bit more what it looked yeah, like. Because well, I that's... remember looking at those wigs and I'm ratty, like, a little more ratty. Well, well, and just pasted down and and like literally glued in place is what it yeah, looked like. Whereas I mean, Amadeus, the everyone Amadeus movie fluffy. is just very stylized, right? Yeah. It's very perfect. It's it, you know, it's it's pastels and these like crazy colors they wouldn't have even been able to dye at that time mm-hmm. and stuff like stuff like that. Um, but which is fun. I think it looks better for sure. What yeah. I kind of loved about this movie though, and you actually can see it on the cover of the movie if you like look up the DVD cover, is this castle. <laughs> is so small and we always think of castles being like fucking giant right right, these, right. Like, you know and like these huge uh, kingdoms that they overlook and it's like this like really tiny little tower and it's just farmland all around right 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 <laughs> and then every time you see them like it there's like really small rooms or like they show them in the um uh the horse-drawn carriage at one point and right. the three guys with all the with, with all, all the stuff, stuff just stuffed just in there smushed yeah. together like mm-hmm. sardines and it's so funny because that's probably how it fucking felt all the time we yeah. were they were probably just like like i bailey a 6 3 250 pound man would not be able to live comfortably in that <laughs> no. time i think unless you were king and just had everything you know made to your i don't spikes. know that's that pretty small pretty small castle uh hey Final thoughts on Madness of King George? I want to talk about the other one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, no, not especially. Thanks, thanks for watching it. And you know, like we said, it was a, a last minute one. But I, I feel like it's one of those movies and and plays. Apparently, it's great on stage, and I've never had an opportunity to see a production. But that it's, 
it's interesting and i'm also just a nerd for history i can also now after having watched this and some youtube i can name every, every british monarch from george the first all the way to elizabeth the second and wow. i'm pretty proud of myself thank you go thank you. <laughs> george the first george the second this was a mistake george the third george the fourth william the fourth queen victoria Edward the seventh, okay. George the fifth, mm. Edward the eighth, George the sixth, and Queen Elizabeth. Very well done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well done. This is really good. Really good content. I love it so much. Um, let's move on to the next one. The next one is Bailey's pick. That's right. It's Rabbit Hole. Uh, Rabbit Hole came out in 2010, directed by one of the greatest people slash artists to ever exist ever, well. dare I say? John Cameron <laughs> Mitchell, uh, Hedwig uh, themselves, their yeah. self, herself. Um, Themself? Themselves. Uh, <laughs> I'm a huge John Cameron Mitchell fan. We'll talk about it in a bit. But first, before we get too deep into Rabbit Hole, CJ. Yes. I have a favor to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, I need from the store some AAA batteries. <laughs> some... Those are real annoying when you run out of them. Uh-huh. It's real annoying. I need some shampoo. Mm-hmm. What kind? Citrus scented. I don't care what kind. Citrus <laughs> okay. scented. Uh, some of those pastries filled with pudding and such. You know what I'm talking pudding. about? Pudding. Little... Yeah, no, like the... Or jelly filled, filled or whatever. Better but the... than pudding. pudding. Yeah, cream filled. filled. That's good. Um, and then I'm also going to need you to break it down. Yes. CJ's breakdown. Eight months after the sudden death of their four-year-old son, Danny, Howie and Becca attempt to overcome their grief. He wants to hang on to every memory while she prefers to sell their house and let go. Their relationship shows signs of stress as Howie bonds with a member of their grief counseling group and Becca connects with the young man accidentally responsible for Danny's tragic end. Mm. This was fucking sad. This is such a sad <laughs> play. I have seen it twice. Live? Oh Live. my gosh. The last time I saw it, I've brought this up on the pod before, it was very good. It was the Two Cents Theater production. It was Kristen Boulay's oh, production. Cool. She did it in the round, <gasps> but she did it oh, that's right. uh, yeah. immersive, where everyone was see She did it at a community center. And had those like kind of shitty plastic seats that you sit in at a community center with the three slots in it, you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, they're usually orange or red. And uh, she sat us in a circle as if we were at a grief uh, session. A grief I've, I saw that. I was there. It was very good. Yeah. And I huh. was kind of not expecting it to be. I didn't know anything about Two Cents at the time. Now I love Two Cents. I, you know, we, we love Kristen. But. At the time, I didn't know anything about them, and somebody told me this is a site-specific, quote-unquote, immersive rabbit hole. And I went, that's a horrifying idea. <laughs> Why would I want to be part of that? Yeah. But it really worked. And it because we just all felt like we were, the, like, all the lights were on. It, and the idea was that they were playing out a scenario. They yeah. were reliving it for us in this kind of acting exercise, almost. And it... it it, it was really good. It was, a good I, it was a good performance, yeah. I gotta tell you, I knew nothing. I knew nothing about this movie. I knew mm. nothing about this script. And when Bailey said he picked Rabbit Hole, and then I think I remember Keela kind of, like, chuckling about it, I was like, this is gonna be some weird fucking shit, isn't it? Like, <laughs> we're some be, weird fucking shit. I don't know. Rabbit Hole just makes me think of, like, crazy trips and drugs. And I thought sure. it was gonna be something, like, weird. And then it just was We know how sad. much he loved Tommy. <laughs> just, I, this is not what I would have guessed that's all well it does live in the Tommy universe you should know it, it uh, does, <laughs> does? and does. I'm writing a rock John opera John Cameron Mitchell yeah, yeah, right. The Rabbit Hole Rock Opera. Hey, oh, hey. No. Oh, God. I'd it, watch it. It sounds ja like... John Cameron uh, Mitchell would have to direct, though. It sounds <laughs> like uh, early 2000s Radiohead. Just the whole yeah. thing just sounds like... <laughs> <laughs> um, have you all yeah. ever seen the movie Short Bus? Real quick. No. no. 
Short Bus is a movie. It's NC-17. Uh, it's a movie by from in 2000 from 2006 by John Cameron Mitchell. It's his follow up to Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Which, if you don't know what Hedwig and the Angry Inch is, it's something we will definitely be covering on this podcast someday. Uh, it is a musical that is a, a band on stage telling you the story of Hedwig. This it's brilliant. It's it's so, so good. good. Yeah. A masterpiece. I have the tattoo. On my right shoulder and a variation of the tattoo you on my origin, left shoulder. Origin of Love? You didn't know that? I don't know that I've seen that. Oh. Yeah. I have my whole everything. Oh. Literally like the. I'm not going to get into this. My <laughs> love for this this piece of work is, is profound and has been since it was introduced to me when I was like 12 or 13. And Short Bus was the follow-up. So I was like, I have to watch this movie. And I put it on. Don't watch this movie, first of all. To everyone out there, don't watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the first harsh. scene is a guy actually sucking himself off and then coming all over his face. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I was not ready. I'm you... 16. Oh, my I'm God. Like, I was just like, what, what the fuck am I watching? hardcore and then the movie and i kept watching i don't i don't know what it was that intrigued me about that i know exactly what it was <laughs> um but i ended up watching the rest of the movie and it's just this like sex comedy but it's not good it's uh, it's really interesting no, it's a, um, it's a it's a it's a weird miss yeah for him it is but and... he did just come out with another movie in 2017 called how to talk to girls at parties that is very good and i liked I, I it i did it. like yeah. that it's that l fanning uh yeah pick it's good. Um, anyway, uh, rabbit hole, quite sad, yes. I appreciated the honoring of all different types of people trying to deal with their grief. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, you're going to talk to the mom and the dad and the grandma and, like, the close family. But, like, I the, the story that – I mean, all of the stories were important. But the story I was interested in the most was them dealing with the high school kid. Mm-hmm. Because that's a whole different kind of grief that you have to deal with. And I just, I, I did enjoy it. It was sad, but I'm glad that I read and watched it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I got to do a reading of it years ago, right before the movie came out. And um, and it was like a real intense reading kind of experience. It was one of those kind of show up, we're going to do this. And then there ended up being a pretty big group of folks. And you're just kind of like paralyzed with it. Um, I'm interested for those who have read the play and know the play versus the movie. Did the extra characters in the movie do anything for you? One of the criticisms that I read and I felt like I kind of agreed with after watching it this time was they added all these characters that weren't in the play. And then right. as a result, you don't get time enough time with any of those secondary characters from the play never mind the new characters so like uh, uh, uh sandra o's sandra character o. and um giancarlo esposito's character they're not they're not in the play but right. they don't like i don't get nearly enough time with them although i love sandra o's moments especially when they're they're just playing the game and just trying to connect like I, that's what i was gonna say moment. is sandra o adds something to this. I think the character, not just her performance, adds something to this in a lot of ways as a film. I don't think it would to the play. Right. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. I, I don't always love those changes, though. I, I really don't. We talked about it a little bit with, uh, you know, Who's Afraid? I, I brought up... Uh, uh, oh, fuck. I don't, I don't remember. I brought up another movie where they change a bunch of locations. Oh, Killer Joe. They Killer change Joe, a bunch yeah, of lo yeah. locations and, so, and add characters and do all this. It doesn't make sense. But with Rabbit Hole, Rabbit Hole doesn't need to feel like it's just these five people. You know, it can, I think it can expand and still tell the same because story. Because it's also about them dealing with the community around them, too. And yeah. that's mm. something that isn't really in the play, but that they focus a little bit more on in the movie. Yeah. Or, I do yeah. appreciate that they flip, because in the play, he just, uh, uh, how he just walks in and the sister, Izzy, says, I've heard you've been hanging out with one of the women from your group. And right. in this, they flesh it out yeah. and it doesn't reading it in the play it's like oh shit he's yeah in the play stepping out it's... on his wife and in this you see him like they're yeah. both dealing with some thing yeah. it's not just 
I'm sick of my wife and want to see somebody else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that That's exactly, yeah, Siege. That was exactly what I thought about was in the play, it's definitely suggested that he's cheated. That that's just, that was part of his journey to getting better. That, or it and, could. Or it could. Or, yeah. And so to see it get that close, to see him think about it, you know, just because he's got another person that understands exactly where he's at, that he's connecting with while he can't connect with her obvious you know and yeah. and it's so beautifully played by both of them i thought i really was impressed with aaron eckhart i think sometimes we yeah. forget that this dude's he's good nicole's fantastic and thank you for awesome. smoking is his it was his Ooh, outing that cool. i went oh he's gonna yeah. he's, he's got sure. he's got stuff going on yeah and i think he gets dismissed sometimes as you You're know right. the good looking dude but i i think he's sincerely a fantastic he was also actor. great as harvey dent you know oh oh yeah oh weirdly yeah. great yeah. weirdly like, great that character shouldn't work like that and it did yeah, yeah. totally and it's part that nolan but he just yeah you're right and and his performance is phenomenal nicole kidman's performance is phenomenal uh we'll talk about some of the side characters in a second this is mile teller's first film role yeah that's awesome. And he's, he's, I mean, he's, he's living up great to it. He's great in this. I think he's so freaking talented. I remember I, the first thing I saw him in was that Splendor. What's that movie? Splendor. Oh, this, this, uh, your, this Spectacular Now. Spectacular Now. This Spectacular the Now. Oh, yeah. I had seen I him in, and that. he was just, oh, he was so good in that movie. He's good. I remember watching that and being sort of like, oh, this is kind of a modern Say Anything. And I was really into that because yeah. Say Anything is like one of my top movies. But Whiplash is what sold me on him. Like, I was just like, oh, this is one of our new great actors. But he hasn't really done anything on that level. Yeah, I guess he's an asshole. An asshole. That's is what he? I've heard. Yeah. yeah. No. Not, like, not like get canceled kind of asshole, but enough yeah. that he's not people aren't asking with. him to come back yeah you know? um, wow. i have something to ask you about something that they added on to that character which i did not catch reading the script and i only caught it because sometimes when the plays are a little bit more serious or stories are a little bit more serious i will look up a breakdown to help me explain it yeah. well um they mentioned that he was a high school student with telltale markings on his face and then I know I wouldn't have noticed it otherwise, but it looks like he cuts himself or or mm. or something. Maybe he was abused or something. And knowing that since it was pushed into the synopsis, I read, I was like, I don't know that that did anything for me for the character. Did you all notice Wait, that? Did at they all? add that to the movie description? I think they did. That, yeah, I think that's just because it was Miles Teller, because I think he has those marks. Maybe oh, they yeah, I think he has them like naturally. They're just. Like, I don't know the story. Thing. I should look it up before trying to tell it, but I'm pretty sure he was in some sort of accident as a kid. Oh, okay. I could be wrong. I I just didn't remember anything like that in the script, and they don't allude to anything in the movie. No, the only thing that I noticed in this time was the uh, the way he talks about his dad. Like we don't know if dad's alive or dead. He mm. was an English teacher. I live with my mom. My mom, mm. make, my mom's the one who's going to be worried. My mom. Okay. Um, I, so I noticed that, that there's something there that we're not told about. And I think it's that's one of those great things that a great playwright, any great writer does, that where you give them this shade and then, man, I can make eight different choices here as an actor with this line and what this means and build a character from that and i found that very interesting uh the original cast was cynthia nixon and john slattery she won the yeah she won the she um, wins the tony yeah. she wins the tony for that yeah. yeah and he's nominated i think he I bet is she and was wonderful i bet she was too and yeah. i i've seen clips of cynthia nixon's wit on broadway mm-hmm. and a I mean, it's fantastic, but apparently she just like brought the house down every single night. Um, I can imagine her being in this movie and being fantastic as well. But apparently Nicole didn't even see it on Broadway. She read the review 
and decided she wasn't going to see it because she didn't want to be informed by Cynthia's That's fair. Uh, uh, yeah. performance. That. So she sent it to her manager and agent and was like, hey, I, I, look at this review. Go see this play and see if it's worth making a movie out Good of it. Good for her. I like yeah. that. Yeah. So they went and saw the movie and they, or play and they went, yeah, well, yeah, let's make this. So she joins on as a producer. It's her first time producing mm-hmm. a film. Cool. Which is fantastic. Um, yeah, and, badass. And then she gets to be part of a lot of like the the auditions and things like this. Um, she had already worked with Diane Weist in Practical Magic uh, in like '96 or '7 or something like that. If, oh if, wow! If I'm right. <laughs> um, and so right. there's this. You remember that? Yeah, I, love that I totally movie. remember uh, that. That's a that movie. Oh, it holds up. It totally. I love that movie. Yeah. Really good. Slaps. Um, it's slaps. slaps. Sorry, I shouldn't have fucks. said fucks. It's slaps. No, fucks. I like fucks too. It fucks. It fucks. Uh, it fucks hard. Fucks. Uh, but so she she gets to be part of all this process, and she sort of falls in love with Miles Teller because he comes in, and I guess the story goes that he was so nervous, and was like full blush red and sweating and like couldn't really make eye contact. But they said that his read while doing that was so raw and yeah. real. That yeah. they were like, we can't not cast this kid if he's like that every day on set. Right we'll be right great. That's <laughs> so awesome. that's super cool. You have um, Juliette Lewis auditioned for Izzy. Oh, oh interesting. She would have been interesting. I think that would have been phenomenal casting. <laughs> uh, not to say anything against um, uh, the... Uh, um, uh, Tam- uh, what's, what is her name? Tam- Tammy Blanchard. 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 And I'm not very familiar with her. She's great. Have y'all seen the movie The Invitation? No. it's this horror movie from 2015 it is slow burn but in an interesting way not in like a this movie's slow kind of way but sort of where you're just constantly going what is happening where am i headed and she's the sort of matriarch of the family holding this party and she is fucking next level in this movie everyone go check it out it's got logan marshall green uh i can't think of who else but Definitely recommend it. The invitation. Write it down. Put it in your notes. <laughs> I got to play Becca in a <gasps> stage reading of Rabbit Ooh, Hole. Cool. And Emily Clark's mom was my mom. Oh wow. Oh wow. Um, That's and cool. She was phenomenal. And it was so hard to do scenes with her because she was I felt like she was my real mom and it was really oh, emotional. Wow. But like the whole play was uh playing that part and get going there, you know, going into that place was just so emotionally exhausting yeah. this was yeah. just like you know a casual stage reading so i can't even imagine you know apparently doing, doing these kidman, scenes over and over again yeah apparently I, I had kidman same... had trouble sleeping oh i imagine yeah. role. and i can't imagine cynthia nixon oh, doing yeah. eight shows a week oh, yeah exhausting. yeah i i read howard when when i did the reading and it was oh yeah yeah it was it was it was it was heavy it, it was you know, and and I guess it, that was a lot of the issues with all of the financing, even for the play originally. It was like, I don't know if we're going to put a play about a dead child on stage right now. And but you know, I, yeah, it's. I will say something that was in the script was also in the movie. It's my favorite line. Well, it's my favorite little speech in the movie that the mom makes, uh, and she says, "I don't know the weight of it. I guess at some point it becomes bearable." It turns into something you can crawl out from under and carry around, like a brick in your pocket. And mm. you forget it every once in a while, but then you reach in for whatever reason, and there it is. And it goes on a little bit, but it was my... Oh, lovely. Yeah, I remember reading lovely. it and just crying while reading it, and it made it into the movie, too. Like, it was the same little speech. Such a good line. This is uh, David Lindsay Bear. We haven't brought him up yet. Uh, have y'all... David Lindsay Bear, of course, wrote the libretto to the Shrek musical, so that's a big deal. Um, <laughs> Two parallel stories, Rabbit Hole and Shrek. Really? Right. He also, though, has this play that I really love. It's a horror play with a lot of cool, weird stage magic. Oh, like somebody, I know this. It's called Devil Inside? Devil oh, Inside, no, that's yeah. That's not what I was yeah. thinking. Is that a movie? Too? There's a movie called Devil in the, Me, the Devil Inside, which is like an exorcist movie. This is not that. This is um, called A Devil a, Inside. And there was is, also an in excess song called Devil Inside. That's true. That's true. <laughs> this is a really weird, fucked up, like kind of family drama. But the 
somebody has to get stuffed into a, a washing machine at one point that gets turned on like crazy stuff someone i think gets like hung on stage if i'm remembering correctly yeah this this play is crazy and it's good it's really good uh so that's like maybe the only other a bear script i've read besides shrek which i read bi-weekly <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait till we cover that. Oh, uh, guys, my nephew is playing Shrek in Shrek Jr. I'm so what, pumped. What the hell is Shrek Jr.? It's well, just like any other musical. They when kids put it like up, they they shorten it to one act and they and they make it really simple. I understand. When they do, I thought that they did a character called Shrek. No, Jr. no, 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 no. Okay. Shrek okay. Jr. <laughs> the uh, the the show. They're doing. It's a small, tiny little community theater in in L.A. But he uh, did Aristocats junior oh, with them a while right. back and so uh, he was like really hoping to get a little bit bigger role because it was his first show last time so he's just coarse but they uh made him shrek he's playing shrek we should all go see great. it we should, oh my god let's so get fun. let's get a he's bunch old, of let's get some awesome. gummies and totally oh. go come on why okay. not you, right. you maybe can't but we can well <laughs> i was planning on some harder things than that no. okay <laughs> <laughs> We're going to uh, do LSD and go down a rabbit hole while we're watching Shrek Jr. Uh, I like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, Diane Weist, one of my favorite uh, actresses of all time. Great. She's She is in my nominations for best of the decade for supporting actress for this performance for that decade. Mm, for the wonderful. 2000 to 2010. Excuse me, the 2010 to 2020. Yeah, I got you. She's no, lovely. she's great. She's she's magnificent. She's magnificent in whatever she does. She's magnificent in The Lost Boys. If you haven't <laughs> seen is. The Lost Boys. She really is. I she's just great. saw it for the first time last year. Did really? you really? Yeah, oh, yeah. She's oh great my in God. Uh, Parenthood is is Oh, she's a phenomenal so good, good. Parenthood. Well, I mean, Birdcage. Uh, someone has well, to like cage, me yeah. best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's my favorite. She's my MVP of the Birdcage. I think I said that on our Birdcage oh, wow. episode. Yeah. She's... I think you just said it on our last thing that we recorded, too. You'll bring her up. You'll Probably, bring her up yeah. in every episode. If you can. I will. If I can, I will. She's, uh, as we all have our conversations about separating art from artists, but she's one of the reasons that I, I can't fully get rid of that guy. Because Hannah and her sisters and Bullets Over Broadway. Oh, I know. Her two Oscars. And... Mia Farrow, too. It's like and everything Mia. she ever oh, made. Yeah, 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 it's like. Sucks. Michael Caine? Michael yeah. Caine's Oscar. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. I need to rewatch the trip. I haven't watched Prestige. the trip in a while. <laughs> Just say Prestige. The first rule of Prestige. every good magic trick is. Try the house. Side house rules. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything Sometimes else about mentions... Rabbit Hole? He's the still only going. other thing he's still, he's still going. The only thing I wanted to say, the other thing I want to say, um, John Cameron Mitchell, like I said, you know, big part of my life and my everything that is Bailey. But I did a little research on why he chose to do this. He lost his brother when he was young, his oh, ten-year-old yeah. brother, right, uh, to a almost exact kind of accident. Oh shit! And the way that he felt like he could tell this oh, story yeah. yeah and sure. i didn't even know that about him but you can feel that in the direction you can oh, feel yeah. it there and some of the updates are interesting like now it's on an iphone instead of on a vhs tape and like yeah. things like that but they make sense they work oh that the scene where she accidentally deletes it i just want to yell at them go into recently deleted true but there's like that like other side of it of like we didn't have that at, with like an iphone 3 in 2010 there wasn't that like backup so there's that but this then is also, a period play really it's yeah. a period but even play. beyond that is like if he couldn't find it even there she yeah. did it on purpose that's such an interesting oh yeah. Yeah, yeah whoa <laughs> <laughs> uh Anyway, anything else y'all wanted to say about this? I, I thank you for talking about it with me. I really, really love this movie. No, thanks for bringing it up because I I do think it is a lovely movie. It's it's really pretty in how it's made. I want that house, by the way. Oh yeah, I want that house. That's a fucking yeah. what I want. That's the MVP. That's the, the MVP. That's true. That's true. But um, I, you know, we we talked about it way back when we first um, uh did sarah kane this idea this intensity of horribleness and at the core of it there's this 
love and hope in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that like I, you know, I hurt like I was sad. I was with them through the whole journey, and I just felt like we we are given a hopeful end, yeah. uh, and uh, a little uplift at the end. Um, I, and I there's like that. there's yeah. a bit of a hopeful end to madness of King George, like regardless of, of the fact that in reality it's not a happy ending, like CJ uh, mm-hmm. uh, pointed out. But I, they both have that hope, that little bit of like, well, maybe everything's gonna be okay. And to Wolf, Virginia Wolf, I was like, and, yeah, I thought they're yeah. gonna that stop pretending. And for Raisin. The time. Oh. I mean, Raisin has a little bit more of that. Things will still be hard, but mm-hmm. it has that like. What maybe, have we learned? What have yeah, we learned? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Now, what? I was going to say that last week. That was the first time that I've experienced Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and at the end thought, like, there's some hope. At the yeah, end. for the first yeah. time, I feel. like. Yes. But anyway, this is a different episode. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> stop talking Thanks about that. Thanks for bringing that up. Right. Yeah. Actually, Bye. we're covering Albie this season, so we're going to get to get, go deep into that one. Actually, we may not choose it since we've already talked about it. We might choose a different one. pick but Zoo Story. Zoo Story for sure. Or the gun. It, we're definitely doing the goat. I will tell you this though, with Zoo Story, I'm gonna make y'all read uh, at home at the zoo, which is right. his extended version of <gasps> Zoo Story that what he about wrote. About an American later. Family is that the one he wrote too? He or also did that one, yeah. But the but uh, the the he wrote a first act for Zoo Story. So Zoo Story is the second act of a new play that he made, and the I... first act doesn't work. But we'll talk about it. Um, All right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, that's an opinion. I don't know. It might work. Let's do my favorite part. Is that okay? What is that? Um, is the part where we rank stuff because... Bailey loves ranking shit. That's right. I love ranking shit. So I want to know what your what your 4-3-2-1 is for these movies. Go, Scott, first. Oh, man. I, I had a really hard time just coming up with a criteria. Mm-hmm to do it um so and it just it's just a dumb sophie's choice for all of these so okay. this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go with raising the sun then i'm gonna go with rabbit hole then i'm gonna go with king george then i'm gonna go uh with who's afraid of virginia wolf who's afraid of your top is my top correct okay siege four madness of king george three rabbit hole two raisin in the sun one who's afraid of virginia wolf yep Yep. Pam's making a face. She's no, I'm just, it's interesting because it's all different so far. Yeah. Um, my fourth one is Raisin in the Sun. Third is Madness of King George. Two is Rabbit Hole. One is Wolf. <gasps> all right. Mine is four, A Raisin in the Sun. Mostly because of the, the piss poor directing. Three, Madness of King George. Mostly because of the blue piss. <laughs> Um, <laughs> two. I just like talking about piss. Um, two. Uh, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? <gasps> One rabbit hole. Rabbit hole. I we were love close. Who's afraid? Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf is directed by my favorite director of all time, Mike Nichols. Nichols. It has four of like kind of undoubtedly the greatest performances of all time. I am basing this not on what I think is the best movie, but what I would rewatch right now, given the opportunity. And I think I would put Rabbit well, Hole. Well, that wasn't above the it. criteria. It was for me. <laughs> it was for me. You make your own criteria. Your, you your, own, your criterion own criterion collection. Okay, your own criterion collection. Um, that was funny. Give me one, guys. What is happening? <laughs> what? I've been. Last episode and joke? this episode, I've I've said at least four or five solid hardcore bits that got no <laughs> Oh, sorry, buddy. It's fine. It's fine. I'm just trying to find the new bit to live on. It's because you deliver them right. so realistically that we don't even realize it's a bit. There are three kidding? people <laughs> at home laughing really hard. <laughs> okay. <sighs> Thank you for joining us for another theater (laughs) theater bonus piece. I got over it. Um, Join us next week as we begin our next playwright miniseries. Now, it's not what we announced last week, which I had said was crumbs from the podcast of joy. 
I'm not going to tell you who that was in case you didn't get it. It was Lynn Nottage. Um, we're not doing that. We had some scheduling. I already issues. wrote my Lynn Nottage song. I'm oh, no. Kidding. I didn't edit it. Save it's it. Fine. It's coming this back. No, all I just do it happened. five minutes before anyway. This all just happened like within the last few hours, but we've we've run into some scheduling issues. Um, but we really want to make sure that we get our guest for that one, which is Casper Washington, who was also on our Lorraine Hansberry uh, miniseries. So we really wanted to make sure that we had them for all three of the episodes. So we're going to hold off. We're going to we're gonna move a little forward. We're going to change up our order a little bit. This is a new miniseries called The Birthday Potty. P-O-D-Y. It's really good. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it's great. It's really good. <sighs> Don't patronize me, guys. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, this is the birthday party, the works of Harold Pinter. Uh, we will be covering the birthday party, the homecoming, and betrayal. Pam is leaving. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm very excited about that one. It's going to be a fun miniseries. We'll, that'll be our next three weeks before we do our end stuff, which is uh, Sound of Music Live on NBC. Okay, Scat. <laughs> I mean, CJ, whoever the fuck. Uh, do y'all have questions or comments? We want to hear what y'all think about the movies we picked. You can email us. You can also reach us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Scott. Twitter. Twitter. Thank you, CJ. A big shout out to Ryan Thomas Johnson for writing our theme song. Here's a truth. Our theme song is better than your theme song. It's true. Yeah. He also empirically. Writes, uh, empirically, 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 measurably. Yeah. Um, he also writes all of our stingers. He's a fantastic and great all-around human being. Yeah. A big shout out to Pam Quinn, who's yeah. also our guest this week, but also contributes every episode a song and the In Stuff theme song, which you heard at the beginning of the show, mm -hmm, which is mm -hmm. marvelous. And you're so talented. You're so Christ talented, Pam. It's time uh, for a boning. A boning uh, and finally, to the great Pulitzer Prize winning playwright, Annie Baker, who writes every single one of our episodes and doesn't even know it. One day, Annie Baker, we will buy you a beer. We absolutely will. Please go rate, subscribe, review. It really does help. We will read your review. We've done it before. We'll do it again. Uh, be anonymous. It's funnier that way. <laughs> cool, guys. You guys done? You want to be done? Should we be done? Yeah. 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 Sing us out, B. Michael in the bathroom, Michael in the bathroom at a party. I don't know these words. Good job. Yeah. Later, everybody. <laughs> the theater, the theater. Theater, theater. To me, 